Hello and welcome to the Amateur Skeptics Podcast number 111. Joining me this evening, Ian. Good evening, everybody. And Mac. Hey, everybody. And the dumbass himself. And I'm your and I'm your host Brian. How's everybody doing this evening? Oh, doing pretty good, thank you. Okay. All right. Okay, a cue was missed here. <laughs> I conveniently <laughs> forgot to mention me Karanda Saber. Yes, our special guest, Karanda. Yeah. And Terry on here as always. Oh yes, and Terry, of course. Oh yeah. By the way. <laughs> oh that's right, you come too. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Package deal. How is everybody doing this evening? Doing fine. Doing fine? It's Monday. It's Monday, yes. All right. Hey, so um, I received a survey in the mail this week. Um, actually, more, and uh, so I'm going to read you some of these questions, and and I want you to guess who who this who it came from. Are, are you guys ready? Ready. Do you believe that Iran, the world's number one sponsor of terrorism, intends to end its efforts to create a nuclear bomb? That's not a leading question. At all. No, not at all. Is it? No. <laughs> Any idea who sent me this? I'm going to guess Republican Party. Yes. Yes. One question and you got it. Yeah, I don't know how I got this, but that, that, it, those questions, that, that is typical of, of the question, of the way that they ask questions on here. Brian. Yes. You own a gun. What's that? You own a gun. You're there for a gun. Is, is that, is that what it, is that what it, uh. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a rule. Is that a rule? Yeah. Wow. Even though I haven't registered that way. Nope. Let me, let me read you wait, some wait, of these. Wait. Um, you have a registered fire, right? No, it's not registered. So that's more so Republicanish. Was that? You're a criminal. I understand. No. That depends on whether it's a handgun or not. Uh, in this state, they don't have to be registered. Yeah. <laughs> Those are awesome. <laughs> Aren't they awesome? Yeah, we should give our special guest a little more of an introduction. Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry. We we should do that. And, and I purposely ignored people uh, because of the content not of our people. show. You I per- people. I purposely women. ignored right, the ladies. Oh, my God. <laughs> This is, this is not gonna go well for me, is it? Not at all. I purposely did not introduce the women on the podcast because of the content of tonight's episode. So, uh, Karanda, uh, go ahead. I, I think that uh, we're done with that. Go ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, I, uh, I run a science fiction convention in Denver and I'm also an author and a very active in the geek community for a variety of reasons. Gamer and a lot of sci-fi. Uh, but I spend a lot of quality time talking about geek women that we can do to make ourselves hurt. Okay. And the kind of our subject tonight is, um, I, I don't know, is it women's rights and misogyny? I mean, Sex- sexism. Casual, casual sexism. Yeah. I don't know. A lot of these links look less casual to me. <laughs> it's not ca- yeah, they're not casual, are they? Well, and yeah, and as we get there, of course, and, and some of these are, they're, it's not just men who are being sexist here. Well, it's kind of uh, it's kind of going back into history and institutionalized sexism is similar to institutionalized racism. When you spend a lot of time teaching someone from birth that they are a certain way, then you challenge their very existence by telling her a different way. And even if that means that subconsciously they're putting down themselves and other women in order to uphold what they've been told is true, a lot of times... That's what you see, especially in situations where people have a different education, uh, especially in situations where uh, they've <laughs> okay, been look, domestically abused. Let's stop you right there because – so we'll, we'll get to our topic. But so there's a taste. This is going to be a heavy one. So that, that's we coming. We talk about gay care and uh, the culture that requires women to be validated um, by the men. Well, okay. So, I mean, there's, there's a lot of things that go along with this. Yes. Yeah. Well, let, let's get there. 
And uh, but first, of course, <laughs> let, let's go ahead and let, let's go. Let's let's go on to the to Ian and Terry's masturbation segment. The Amateur Skeptics present Ian's Masturbation Moment, brought to you by the Dumbass Media Empire. The Dumbass Media Empire, bringing you content that touches people while they touch themselves. By dumbass. by dumbass, yes, yeah. it is sponsored by the Dumbass Network, and this time content provided by the dumbass himself. Yeah, apparently I'm the only one who submitted a link for this. Um, well, I didn't I, put. Yeah, we've got so much other stuff to talk that I think I think it's good that we keep this one a little shorter this time. Well, okay. Usually these masturbation moments are kind of sexy or at least interesting or funny, so um, I should warn the list of that. Uh, this one is actually kind of disturbing. Yes. Um, so uh, this is, um, uh, I labeled this as a murder by masturbation plot foiled. A man uh, had a plan to kill an ex-girlfriend using an exploding vibrator. Wow. Go on. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, it's light on the details. Apparently he fiddled around with it using gunpowder and stuff like that. Um, he, uh, he, he boasted to friends that he was going to give it to an ex-girlfriend, uh, which uh, apparently uh, he had. If the relationship was that much on the outs and they had such hard feelings towards each other, it seems strange to me for him to expect that she would accept a gift of a vibrator. That was my thought too. Yeah, <laughs> that's not the only place of logic. Right, but here's so. But here's the thing: is that what he put in this though? I mean, it was it was buckshot and gunpowder. It's interesting symbolism that he wanted to kill her through her vagina. It, yes, it is. I really want to see a Mythbuster episode now to see whether or not it can actually explode properly. That would be awesome. Well, be, yeah, because it, and, there's... And what model did he use? I am going to boycott the, the Mythbusters until they produce that episode. <laughs> What's interesting is the, the link. I mean, it's not the only place that this links, but the link that you put up here is from a British newspaper, it's like the register.co.uk. Yeah. Uh -huh. So this happened in Minnesota. Well, there's a link to the Minnesota. Um, right. I'm just saying that it's, it's interesting that this got picked up by multipapers all around the world. So apparently this is a tittle. Yeah, but the register is one of those sites that kind of picks up on everything. This kind of are. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Well, I, I heard about it on uh, Twitter, and um, I Googled it, and uh, this is uh, one of the articles. I just picked it because it looked like it had information in it. And basically, it's a good warning to women. If they get um, certain types of gifts from their ex-boyfriends, might want to check them out beforehand. Yeah, especially if it says Merry Christmas, bitch, on ma in magic on the outside. Yeah. That's probably a, that's probably a warning sign. You know, generally speaking, you can usually tell if the part has been replaced black powdery substance. You know? <laughs> it just changes the weight and the abilities of the vibrator to operate. Not to oh, yeah, mention, if he didn't put the batteries back in, it's not going to do a lot of good. Yeah, well, theoretically, he would have had to. I mean, if if somebody was going to use this, it would have had to have worked. So I'm trying to I'm trying to picture where he was going to run the deck in this thing. It, <laughs> he said, he, yeah, it says he was going to remotely trigger it. <laughs> right, he's standing. There, there, there's a cord running out of it, and he's hiding behind a corner with uh, one of those uh, push things in the exactly. cartoon with dynamite. <laughs> right, that's why the box said Acme. Yeah, I, I have the feeling this guy is definitely a little wily e. coyote than Ted Kaczynski. <laughs> but. Uh, well, you know, I think uh, uh, 
uh, important takeaway point is at the very end of that article, it does specifically say that the liquor store operator, people is like, he always seems so nice. And that tends to be <laughs> really common language that you hear about people plotted these horrible, vicious crimes. Is, oh, he was so nice. He was so respectful. He was so polite. But, but, As though that gauges yeah. whether or not someone's crazy and kill somebody else with a vibrator. Well, but here's the thing is that it's a, it's a matter of, you know, um, of counting the, the hits and none of the misses. How many, how many nice people does he meet a day, right? And this one nice person happens to do this terrible thing. I mean, it's like, it's such a stupid thing to say. Well, and you know, if you're, if you're, if you're drinking heavily, chances are that the liquor store owner is going to be the person you're going to be nice to. <laughs> exactly, right? You don't want. Sorry, guys. Turn that off. <laughs> oh, you didn't hear it. <laughs> All right. Well, yeah. Anything else there? Sounds like a white trash newsflash it, story. Well, the the register, yeah, the register gets, yeah, I, does a lot of that. I, I wouldn't be surprised if the guy if the guy was just you know doing it as an exercise and didn't intend to do anything with it or anything like that, but uh, and just you know bragging about it for purpose of bravado. Yeah, chances are that's what was going on. But you know, there's still the fact that that he built it, and there's still the fact that this is potentially something that could have harmed anybody, not just the ex, could have killed right. him too. Yeah, it's definitely something to take. Sure. All right, well, so we move on to some jackassery. Uh, that's... Glenn Beck airs rape. A chance to watch video? I, 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 I unfortunately, I read the article, but I did not get a chance to watch it. So Glenn Beck airs rape comedy skit to mock sexual assault in response to California shooting. I have a personal rule against watching any video with Glenn Beck in it. Yeah, I, I really <laughs> don't like to show him my by giving him an extra hit. R- sure. Uh, Glenn Beck himself is not the guy that um, broadcasts their video. Okay. I have kind but, of one question about Glenn Beck. How is he not on the Jackass every week on our podcast? Because sometimes Pat Robertson is on. Uh, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> It's a target rich environment. It is a target. Well, I mean, if you, if you go over to, oh, what's that site that I like? I mean, it's just constant with these guys. Brian Fisher is another one that, that constantly, Alex Jones is another one. I mean, the, the I mean, these guys, they say something absolutely awful, you know, sexist, misogynistic on a weekly basis. Yeah. Yeah, you know, uh, the the video definitely does portray the problem in a simplistic and douchey way, but I'm wondering if maybe uh, there are some valid concerns over the risk of labeling certain women as victims who don't consider themselves to be victims. Well, maybe um, Ian could describe the video for those of us who haven't watched yeah. it. Uh, basically, you have three guys. One is dressed up. Okay, Ian, I'm going to stop you. Get a little closer to the mic for me. Okay, good. Oh, yeah, let's try that. Okay, so in the video, you have the three guys. One is dressed, dressed up to part of a ditchy. Um, you have the one guy who I don't quite get his style. He's in a gray hoodie. And then you have the um, basic host of it. But um, he comes out and starts talking about Rick and is trying to fight the statistics that I believe five women have been raped. I think that's a basic system. One, basically, um, 20% of women in America have experienced rape. He's, his basic argument is um, how they calculate that high of a number. And so he comes out and um, is like, if a woman, and the, the, here's the basic setup. The guy comes up and blackmail, if you don't, don't have sex, this isn't happening. And the guy dressed as the Dixie Blonde goes, <laughs> okay, yes. And then you have the um, idiot host come out and say, they call that rape. Accurate. And, it is. It was reluctance. He, he, it's it's right. 
So well, they go through the whole list. It's um, blackmail, frozen, <laughs> um, lying to get her in bed, um, playing to her sympathy, saying, oh, I'm so sad, I'm so miserable, you can't. And even alcohol, defend, um, getting drunk. He says, and this is one of the latest lines of the whole thing, is to, to use, he defends using alcohol to get over bed by saying, just look at the beer commercials. That's what they're all about. That's so apparently what the beer commercials are all around all about is getting lonely guys to buy beer based on sexual. Well, according to him, the, the beer commercial was justified in getting a girl drunk to get her into bed. And the, the whole video basically does this. It's a cycle of, you know, saying, oh, that's, you know, they call that rape. But, you know, and, and the whole time the guy dressed as a ditchy blonde is, <laughs> okay, <laughs> okay. It's like, is there anything at all in this video that is not insulting? You know, it's it's ironic that that video kind of is actually, um, by the way you describe it, it sounds like it's actually almost point uh, doing the opposite of its intent because you know it's like presenting that all of these things are uh, not rape because the commercials say so or whatever, but it sounds like it's pretty much painting rape culture in a pretty little box. Yeah. You know, it here are the like. color between the lines. These, this is what rape culture looks like. Boom. Every single beer commercial, every product marketed to men says this product will help you get women. Well, and also the fact that the guy playing the um, woman, you know, oh, sex is no big thing. I'm going to laugh about it. You know, the, the way the guy's presenting sex to me, I'll just laugh and say, okay. And it's like, wait a moment. Uh, are, are you basically saying that women really don't have emotions and all that? You know, it really is. That was the one that got me the most. Is you have three guys portraying a woman as being that. And it's like, no, well, they you, guys don't. you know what? Just a shell. Here's a. Yeah. I, I know that this is a loaded question, and, and maybe we can have definitions that are kind of short here. But what's the difference between rape and sexual assault? Where? What's the line there? Uh, you know, know what? The line, frankly, probably depends on the person that you're talking to. But generally speaking, I would say, based on the conversations that I've had with friends who have been victims on various levels, that. Sexual assault is anything leading up to the point where sex actually occurs, and uh, be it oral sex, be it any kind of penetration with anything, once you hit that point, then you're flat out into rape and not just sexual assault. But groping, pinching, grabbing, whatever, um, trying to coerce someone into doing something that they don't want to do, whether they proceed to follow through with that or not, that's sexual assault. And wonder, a lot of people tend to downplay it and call it harassment. I wonder where the legal demarcation is. It's the probably legal. along those lines. It should well, be along I... those lines, but it, unfortunately, uh, sexual assault is defined by state. Uh-huh. It is not federally defined, and that's a big problem. Because it means that if a state has a tendency to be less interested in women's rights, that state also has a tendency to be less interested in defending um, rape cases. Sure. Uh, um, I think also that there's a there's a fair deal of discussion that can be uh, done on this, like um, per- persistently being a douche and trying to um, uh, get in a woman's pants is a different thing than actual full-on violent rape, um, although you can call it different forms of rape. Um, well, <laughs> but it, it's a very nuanced issue. It is. It's like peeling back an onion, and every woman is different, and every power dynamic uh-huh. is different. So... Uh... A good friend of mine who runs the White Feather organization has pointed out repeatedly, and this is something that is not well portrayed in places like Hollywood, but coerced consent is still rape. Because if you if you bully them into saying yes when they've been saying no, it's still rape. But unfortunately, coerced consent is defended by the law because eventually they said yes. 
Yeah, wow. but oh, it's, that's awful. Well, of course, and the that's... other side of that, the other side of that, though, and the reason that that kind of cuts is if you know if she said yes and then rethought it afterwards. That's still rape, unless if we're talking about afterward, like all the way like, after the fact. That's like one the thing. next day. That's one thing, and frankly, yeah. honestly, it's great that you bring that up because a lot of people bring up that kind of a situation, but. Statistically speaking, less than 2% of rape accusations are false. It's a really low percentage. How do they get and that number? Give me 5 seconds on Google, I'll tell you. Excellent. <laughs> While you're looking that up, can I bring up a can I bring up a point related to the video? To be accurate, they should have then after coercing and, you know, using the power dynamic and usually asking and asking and asking and harassing and sexually assaulting and whatever, getting her drunk and all that, then the day after they should have slut-shamed her. <laughs> well, let's move on. While she's looking at those statistics, let's move on to consent. So after I saw that video, and believe it or not, I had not seen these on the same day. These were not ones that I had initially um, connected. I ran across a Lacey Green video. We talked about Lacey Green in the past. Love her. She has some great stuff out there. The fucking this video, and it's almost like I've seen the, the Glenn Beck video, and I dealt with it point by point because everything they she brings up in the consent 101 and basically says no you don't do that and i'm still like wow okay stop hold on hold on hold on hold on ian ian back away forward back what cut this stuff back out later i'm already gonna have to make the intro sound good sorry I think Kimberly brought up a point on a previous podcast similar to what Dumbass is trying to say about the nuance of consent. Oh, well, go back. What? What? I, I missed that. So why don't you repeat that? So I think, um, I don't know, ages ago when we were talking about consent, I think Kimberly might have brought up an issue similar to what Dumbass is trying to raise about possible nuances in consent and how it's not always a line of clean demarcation. I tend to think it is a line of clean demarcation, but I guess there's some confusion about that. I think most of the time, um, it's, uh, you can, you can look at something and say that it's, uh, it's fairly clean. Although I, I just think putting like, um, you, you got, you got to look at it on a case by case basis, I think. Right. Yeah. And, and I, um, I think, you know, put it, cause like, um, we're, we're looking at the, uh, dark number for this kind of thing here. And there's always a, a lot of uncertainty about, uh, the, the dark figure in statistics, which is the uh, number of unreported, uh, occurrences of, uh, a certain, uh, statistic. I think um, what's and, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. Okay. I, I just said, uh, wanted to say, I think we should keep in mind that when statistics are looking for a dark figure like this, their methods are uncertain, uh, because they're looking for more tenuous clues. And that doesn't mean we should throw the numbers out, just that we've got to keep in mind that they're based on un- uncertain assumptions. Right. And what I was going to say is that um, related to that is uncertain assumptions and then also the assumptions that feed into every dynamic and every person and every woman being different, like the cultural overlay, you know, multiple layers up from consent that lead to a woman, how she feels about sex in that moment or how she feels about consent or what she wants to do or all of those things play in. And it's hard to parse that out. I, I think right. And we're, we're, we're applying the one word rape to all of this when, uh, we're, we're applying a, a wide range of situations that are each very different and it kind of oversimplifies it, I think. And, um, I think, uh, we, we, my concern is that the public typification of the word rape, um, is, uh, doesn't misses out on a whole lot of, uh, nuance and just throwing out a number at it kind of, uh, adds to that. Well, that's why I was asking for okay. some definitions. I, I, I'd like to add in there that, uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of potential violence and things that can be done to a woman that have nothing to do with rape, but 
we're using the word rape because it's a hot button word. But should it be sexual assault in some of those cases? Well, it's what about stalking? Well, that's 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 not that's a, that's a totally different thing. It's a law. There's a law against that, but that can make a woman feel just as unsafe, or well, um, or a man for that matter can feel just as unsafe. It's not all women in this case. So let not me. All women uh, in any case, I have a I have a convenient link for this conversation specifically about rape. In that, so the FBI only changed their definition of rape in 2012. So this was really recent. The original definition, which they've been using since. I believe the 1800s, was the carnal knowledge of a female forcibly and against her will. That's the complete definition of rape according to the FBI. I don't think the FBI was around in the 1800s, were they? They've they've been around for a while, but um, anyway, that's their original definition. Can you post that in the the link in the chat? In the document. Yeah, Yeah, I can link the document. The other document I just linked to was about the percentage, and it actually um, puts forth that the percentage is much lower than 2% of false allegations. The biggest problem with the false rape myth is that a lot of times things that get thrown into that false rape concept are things like when the police officer decides not to file the report because they don't believe the person who's reporting. And so you get a lot of cases where it actually doesn't ever go to trial either because a woman gets bullied into believing that the community won't back her or because of something like that, a police officer refusing to follow through on the case. And those things add up into this false allegation myth. And it's kind of like any other hate crime where the odds of someone accusing someone of committing a hate crime falsely are much lower than the odds of the hate crime actually happening, but the reverse is reported more often. So uh, the FBI, I think I just linked you guys the other document. Yeah, they're in here. Yeah. Yeah, the second one is the FBI change of definition. And their new definition, in short, is penetration, no matter how slight, of the vagina or anus with any body part or object or oral penetration by a sex organ of another person without the consent of the victim. So it eliminates the gender pronouns. Okay. And makes the assumption, basically, that men can rape women and women can rape men. And men can rape men. But it also, it sounds like um, if you, you were to use a, a, a rubber phallus, that that would also be considered rape. So it's any sort of penetration? Any object. Any it's object. penetration or oral penetration. So it, it kind of is a little bit narrow just because it doesn't include, like, the concept of, um, like, a woman forcing another woman to give oral sex, for example, although those cases are reportedly much lower, but those kinds of things. So it's it's still a little bit narrow. But like, for example, there was a case really recently of a woman who got gang raped down in Texas and the boys who were raping her raped her with glass bottles. Oh, wow. So by the previous FBI definition, that wouldn't have been considered rape. But, but now it is. Now it is. Okay. So I, to me, that seems like a pretty good definition. I I don't know what it might be missing, but I mean, it seems like it, it covers a lot of bases, and but yet it's still clear. The only problem I have with it is that it does specifically state without the consent of the victim, which eliminates the idea that someone who's coerced into saying yes can be raped, and it also makes things like marital rape really questionable. It's already hard enough to uh, protect someone in that kind of a case. Well, that's difficult. And especially because, you know, a lot of these, um, from a biblical sense, it isn't rape. (laughs) You know, I mean. Well, from a biblical sense, a lot of stuff isn't rape, including but not limited to sex with multiple 14-year-old girls. So, you know. (laughs) Well, uh, well, I'm not saying it's right. (laughs) (laughs) 
All right. So, um, so Ian, are you back? Yeah. Okay. So let's, let's go, let, let's talk about this video a little bit more. Well, I'll just start from the beginning. Okay. All right. So after, um, the Glenn Beck video, I ran across, um, this next video and, um, it's by Lacey Green. We love her. We've talked about her before. Um, what surprised me about this video, because I'm positive this isn't related at all to the Glenn Beck one, um, is the fact that seemed to go point by point against the Glenn Beck video in it. So I, everything Glenn Beck video mentioned, she mentions and says, no, that's not right. That's not how you do it. And, you know, basically she does a great job of rebuting everything they claim by saying that's not consent. That's not right. That's, you know. And, you know, it's one of those brilliant things that I'm glad was there because it worked so perfect in opposition. What I liked about this video is that she, she pointed out that consent is a, is a, is a case by case basis. So, so consent is not a blanket statement. There's consent for this. There's consent for this. There's consent for this. And consent can be retracted at any time. You know, if she, if it, you know, things go too far. And, and of course you only go as far as the, is, you know, that, that consenting piece. And so I, I liked that, um, from a compartmentalized point of view. I, I think it's, it's, it, there might be some difficulties and ambiguity there, but at least it made the point that, that just because you have consent for one thing doesn't mean you have consent for this other. And for that one time. And for that, exactly. And for that one time. Right. Yeah. I like that yeah. she included nonverbal, um, clues of consent and non-consent too. I thought yeah. that was really good. Yeah, I have a small nitpick. Uh, she she said that um, she argues that it's impossible for a drunk person to initiate or engage in sex. But uh, you know, I, I've known people who could get uh, gravy and sexual when they're drunk and be fully able to move around and engage in vigorous sexual activity, but the next day have no memory of their actions. Yeah, I, it can certainly happen. Uh, but I think it's it's difficult. I mean, alcohol makes makes erection difficult for one thing. So I, I think that. No, I mean, certainly not everybody can do it, but I would, I would say that to make a blanket statement that it can't happen is, is wrong. But I think that to, to make the point that while you're impaired, you know, consent is not. Yeah. Certainly I do agree that if the woman is passed out or barely able to move or talk, and if she's just lying there passively and not part participating, then that's a, um, a big warning sign. Right. You cannot have consent in that situation. I, if she's so... just, if, if she's just laying there like a statue, I think that's technically statutory rape. I don't like rape. Oh my god! <laughs> really? <laughs> um, Let him have it, dumbass. Um, one thing I was going to say, though, I don't think that that's necessarily how far you have to get. What if a woman is tipsy and she's just not thinking clearly, and you engage in coercion? Then? Well, but what? Well, how about what if? I mean, I mean, certainly when somebody is tipsy, I mean here, but here it comes. This is this is a different conversation almost because if if if, if two people are tipsy. Eh, you know, I mean, what, and something happens and late, and, and when she, when she's sober, it's like, I don't know, there's a, I don't know, this is, this is a difficult one because I, I, if you're at, you know, if, if you're drunk at a party, you know, and you get taken advantage of because you're, uh, because of alcohol, I mean, certainly it's the rapist's fault, right? But then we get uh, in, then we get into the people talking about, well, she never should have put herself in that situation. It's like, well, wait a second, she should be able to put herself in that situation and, and not get raped. Not get raped. So yeah. this is, yeah, this, you know, to say that she shouldn't have put herself in that situation is, is slut shaming. Uh, well, I, I, and I agree. And we, and we did all this in, in the, I mean, we talked about a lot of this stuff in a rape culture, um, episode. 
Well, ultimately, I think the biggest problem is as soon as you say um, she can't put herself in that situation or you say that uh, the amount of alcohol in the woman has no impact on whether or not she's able to say yes or no, you ultimately are saying that women are not allowed to drink in public. Well, I think really in the presence (laughs) of anyone ever. Exactly. Right. And and but on the other hand, if if you also have kind of an obligation to protect yourself, don't you? Well, ultimately, the problem is that, yes, you have an obligation to protect yourself. However, this is a it's a matter of holding other people responsible for their own actions. And so while it's my responsibility to know that I can only handle a drink and beyond that, I'm not cognitive enough to understand what's going on or whatever. At the same time. It's also the responsibility of everyone around me to respect my personal space and not decide to take advantage of my situation. You know, it's the same responsibility that someone has not to be a jerk and mosey in if I'm kind of depressed and be like, I'll be your friend so you can have sex with me. Right, but I think yeah. that what you're, what you're saying there points out why these these discussions are so difficult to have. Because a lot of times when people have these discussions, somebody and somebody, you know, somebody's calling somebody else, you know, a misogynist, because, you know, for, for something that they said. And it's like, I just want to have have this discussion and and you know in 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 you know piece it out without somebody coming back and saying that I'm a misogynist. I mean, so I think I think the problem is that it's also difficult to have. It, it's I uh, was on a panel actually at Starfest that was about overcoming barriers because we wanted to talk about more than just sexism. We wanted to talk about racism and geekdom and stuff like that. And uh, obviously the crowd, because this is the Starfest crowd, there was there were primarily white people in the audience and someone who works with the community, asked me why it's easier to talk about sexism than it is to talk about racism. And I think ultimately the the challenge that is faced is that uh, people are afraid to ask questions when they don't know because they don't want to look like an asshole or a dumbass. No offense, <laughs> dumbass. None taken. So since they are afraid to look like they don't know, they'd rather just stumble around and offend more people because they're not willing to ask. And so you have problems where people use language that's hurting somebody else and they don't even realize it. And then they get defensive when they're called on it because it's our nature to get defensive when somebody calls us a misogynist or a racist or whatever. And so I think that's the problem on that front and probably a lot of the reason that the not all men hashtag is so rampantly popular right now. Yeah, I just, you know, my, I, I guess the, the thing is that when, when I say that... Uh, Oh, so, I mean, and this, and actually men too have, have a responsibility to protect themselves. And like you're saying, if you can't handle more of their own drink, you should know that. But, but people need to learn those things about themselves too. And there, then there needs to be a safe place for them to learn those things. But on top of that, there's also going back to the rape culture conversation. If you're in a bar and somebody's clearly drunk and some other guy is clearly taking advantage of them, you need to interject. You need to put some social responsibility on that guy and be like, you know what? No, you can't behave that way. I don't know this lady, but you're clearly causing a problem. Right. You as another man need to do that. You guys need to put each other. Exactly. Yeah. And okay. that's Although sometimes that might be a good way to get beat up. You know what? Well, By being a it, woman speaking up in that situation. Seriously, especially yeah. when you're someone like me. I'm 5'4", guys. <laughs> I am not a large person. And while I can handle myself, I don't look like I can handle myself. Right. I, I and mean, it gets me into some situations. It, it's certainly never okay for a person to take advantage of another person, right? And But yet, and 
and so I would never condone the actions of somebody. Um, and I, and I would never in, but we've got to be careful because, you know, and of course there's, you, we see so much victim blaming too, you know, blaming the woman for getting raped because she got drunk. But the, this comes back to this, this discussion that it would, you know, somebody else, it would, it would be, you know, really a third party watching over them. But if there's only two people there engaging and there's not a third party, you know, I mean, it's just when a difficult discussion. There's also after the fact. So the biggest problem is the reason that rape culture exists is because people look the other way because they don't want to get involved. Okay. It's just, there are lots of studies about people who get the crap beat out of them in New York City and nobody intervenes, even though somebody's getting the crap beat out of them because they don't want to get involved. And ultimately, the thing that prevents certain kinds of crimes, especially social crimes like sexism, racism, more importantly, rape specifically, is that people can get away with it. And not only get away with it, but get a dude bro pat on the back from their buddies. And so if guys hold each other responsible, and women hold men responsible, but mostly if guys hold each other responsible to a higher standard of behavior, to being more than just a default rapist, then it's going to take a little bit of time, but it's going to get better. Because the people who are committing that crime as a casual because I can are going to stop doing it because they're going to be held responsible for their actions. So then you'll narrow it down to the people who are committing rape and committing um, forced consent and things like that will be people who are actually viciously out there to be rapists rather than just whatever dude. Okay, and, and maybe this isn't politically correct, but what is the woman's responsibility in those situations? In which situation? In, in any of these situations. I mean, what, what, I mean... Is is there, is there a piece of responsibility that, that the woman needs to have as well? I would say there is never a person's individual responsibility to not get killed or not get raped. No, and I understand that. And I, 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 I appreciate that. So, I mean, obviously, there's a responsibility to... So women as well, for one, to support each other, which is a big problem in the female community, because since we spend so much quality time having slut-shaming and things like that pretty much drilled into our own heads, a lot of the female community has a tendency to do as much victim-blaming or more, even, because you should have carried your keys in your hand, which is incidentally is a useless response. Yeah, I agree. Um, but you well, also- and if- I'm sorry, I was just going to interject that if you cast victim at other, then you can tell yourself it's not going to happen to you. Right. I guess, I guess the, the point I, I want to, I, that I'd like to get to here is that when, when, when there are suggestions of how, uh, of how a woman can be proactive and try to present or prevent herself from becoming a victim, is it okay to, to have those conversations without somebody being, you know, victim blaming? I think it depends on what kind of a light you're casting in, because the biggest problem is the conversation, how do you prevent yourself from being raped? The answer is that actively you can't. Okay. And, and, because, and, because ultimately, I mean, there's lots of great material out there, lots of still not asking for it kinds of campaigns and stuff like that. A lot of women who get raped get raped by somebody that they know, yeah. and they get raped because they trusted that person and that person wasn't trustworthy. And how can you really avoid trusting some trusting anybody ever? And you still might get randomly raped, but odds are most rapes are committed by somebody that the person knows. Just like most children who are abducted are abducted by somebody that they know. Hmm. So unfortunately, most social crimes are committed by someone who actually knows them rather than just a random stranger who happens to drive by, see a woman standing there and go, hey, they're rape-worthy. Which gets back yeah. to the cultural stuff we were talking about slut shaming and men marginalizing men who behave that way. Yeah, but let me add one more thing here because I and and I I think I think that I, I like y- your point about that. I mean, it's it's still um, 
I, it's still a discussion worth having. But one of the one of, like I lost my senator um, because um, because they, they they were running a reelection campaign on her, and one of the things that she did that the um, a recall on her. Um, one of the things that she did that the um, gun that the gun nuts didn't like was that in um, she was they were having a discussion and she brought up a statistic saying you know because they were talking about well if that you know people if women are carrying guns they can pre- prevent themselves from being raped and the statistics show that far more often that the gun will end up being used on um, against the person then okay, no, then the- they can use to defend them, themselves with it that statistic is true for pretty much all home defense as well but generally speaking and this is going to sound fascinating but basically you can expect that when half of our population, female half, has been taught don't work out because you'll get too much muscle, uh, you don't want to be stronger than the boys, you don't want to be faster than the boys, etc., etc., generally speaking, when biology often means that the guys tend to be larger and full of testosterone, and as soon as there's sex drive involved, they're potentially unstoppable monsters, it, you can expect that the gun might get wrestled out of your hand if you're not a martial artist. Well, even, while even I still. highly advocate that women absolutely should take self-defense classes, I'm also disgusted by the fact that we need to. Okay, but that's – I think that's kind of where I, wa- I, was, I was going there is that there are certain proactive things that, that maybe you can do that maybe you shouldn't – maybe you shouldn't have to do them, right? It's, it's not fair to, to put that onus on you, but, but to say like s- certain things like that that might help – I mean, ultimately, having self-defense classes is actually only going to protect you from the random stranger. Okay, sure. So, the the untrusted rape. It's not going to protect you from someone that you know being in your home or being present while you're drunk or whatever. It's not going to protect you from those situations. Okay. It's only going to protect you from the randomized situation where you're completely in power and in control of yourself and some guy in a dark alleyway jumps you. So, so ultimately, I mean, kind of what I'm, I'm hearing is that ultimately the, 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 one of the best ways for this to be resolved is for men to hold other men accountable. Absolutely. It's kind of, it's one of those things that if every woman is a feminist, but no men are feminists, then what you're going to experience is that all of the men are still going to plug their ears and they're not going to hear. And while some things may get better on some level, they won't. They won't progress at the same rate as if they have allies on the other side, pretty much. Okay. So if yeah. men hold other men accountable, then in an unfortunately already misogynistic world, that's an opinion that these misogynistic guys already respect on a different level. Because if they're assholes to women, it doesn't matter how many women scream and shout and throw fits and complain and whatever and withhold sex even because all they're going to think is, well, dumb bitches just need to be shot. Um, <laughs> yeah. What one thing uh, I kind of uh, wanted to explore a little bit here is the idea of um, manipulation and uh, uh, verbally uh, convincing women uh, to sleep. Because a lot of the time, intercourse is the result of a guy uh, having convinced a woman that uh, she should sleep with him. Uh, I disagree. Usually, well, it all can also go the other way around. True. Uh, but but that, that that does happen that uh, like um, especially if you think about uh, traditional dating and stuff where the guy tries to uh, really puts on an act to try to uh, get the woman to convince uh, I'm the kind of guy that you should uh, be going out with and that you should be sleeping with it, it, it's kind of an act that I think both sides play put on put on their uh, best show but um, and we can all agree that if it gets really overbearing that that is a really bad thing so uh, but there there there's a line somewhere and where is that line 
So I think it goes back to partially, you know, what you were saying specifically, where you say a lot of times sex is the result of a man convincing a woman to sleep with him. And if that's the case, then we have to change the mentality on both the male and the female side. Because sex is a totally natural act that needs to occur for human beings to survive, really. And... Hold on, it's not just for survival. I mean, let, let's let's face it; it can be recreational too. It, it's it's something. Let me, let me clarify when okay. I say survival. What I mean is that human beings need that interaction with each other. Thank you for survival. Thank you. So, uh, not just for procreation, because uh, if that were the case, then they really would have a case against us lesbians. But I digress. You know, generally speaking. Sex should be considered something that's desirable for both parties. And if it's not desirable for both parties, whether it's she who doesn't want it, he who doesn't want it, it doesn't matter. In either case, if sex results and it wasn't desirable for both parties prior to the fact, then it's definitely coercion and rape. And so the biggest complexity there is that we've been being taught for the last however many years because of various indoctrinations that sex should only be for procreation and then when we break away from that that women shouldn't desire sex even if they do and so a lot yes. of women even grow up not even understanding their own anatomy for heaven's sake or that it's okay for women sexual and that we can enjoy sex it's fine exactly yeah. women are taught that it's going to be painful the first time they have sex <laughs> we're just taught to expect that it's going to be painful Right. Which means that effectively every single first time for every woman who was taught that is rape. Because we're expecting to be hurt. And because we're tense and upset and worried and all of that. That we don't right. need to... and, and because typically the first time occurs with somebody who doesn't understand what foreplay is. Right. <laughs> you know, and here, but this is once again, this is the discussion that we have pretty regularly. I don't think we can have it often uh, that, And that's fine. But I, yeah, I mean, that, that, that is definitely one of the themes of our show is, is that right there. What I was talking about earlier about uh, kind of peeling the onion back is the misogynistic cultural overlay that leads to the situation that Dumbass was trying to describe, where it's the man convincing the woman to have sex with them. It doesn't have to be that way if we allow women to just be pro-sex. If we were just pro-sex as a culture and didn't put all this baggage on it, I think everything would be much easier for everyone. Right, because ultimately that implies that women don't desire sex in the first place if I have to talk her into it. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and that's and, and that's the problem. Think that she should desire sex, and if she does, right. she might think there's something wrong with her. Although I would point out that the the mating ritual for any species is an act of uh, certain members of the species trying to convince the other members of the species that they're a worthy mate. Sure. Well, right, that but... might be accurate. Uh, you also have to realize that, generally speaking, we consider ourselves to be a little more. Uh, refined in our mating procedures, with the exception of the missionary position. <laughs> yeah, I think the basics uh, still kind actually, of apply, though. Actually, I think that bird that does the the thirty seven minute dance in order to prove that it's a worthy mate for the female, I think that's probably the most refined. I think we're poor imitation. I think bonobos have it right. Yes, <laughs> they sure the, as hell. The problem with of uh, the problem with the women being perceived as liking sex is that tends to make the men feel like they're not going to be the exclusive partner. Well, because we know that women, that's the only thing they have to offer a partner is sex. And so they need to hold on to that so that they can control their partner. The maidenhead and yep. all of that, yes. Yep, absolutely. Yep. Because, you know, if the woman likes sex, chances are she's going to like it with other men besides you. 
Well, if so you it's, could it's... learn how to do foreplay, dude, that wouldn't be a problem. <laughs> or with yourself. Foreplay? <laughs> what is this of which you speak? <laughs> we'll get you a link. Okay. <laughs> some videos, too, if you will. <laughs> Absolutely, yes. I, we can portrait you. <laughs> so some lovely ones. Google monkey foreplay. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's go ahead and let, let's. I, I, do we? We can start with with the um with the one that you guys were talking about, or we can start with the self esteem one. Let's actually let's cut into the whole. Let's cut into the whole penis vagina is always rape. Okay, so let dumbass introduce his article. That's got tempers on. Okay, let dumbass okay, go ahead and introduce this. I want to say something before we get into that, though. Okay. Because, uh, I, I put the, the these two links especially I put in here because I kind of wanted to explore um, how both sides of the feminism issue can go into extreme territory. Um, I think it was back in October that me and my wife were watching this Twitter war between two skeptical women who consider themselves feminists over feminism issues, and I'm not going to name any names, so don't ask, but uh, what we were struck by was how both said some unfortunate things and kind of misunderstood the point that the other was trying to make, and I, I think they both kind of misrepresented the other's positions as being more extreme than they actually were, so uh, I kind of wanted to set the scale a little bit and explore what I'd consider to be two more, two more extreme sides of the issue. Well, so uh, let me ask you, which one you want to begin with? Uh, um, I'm not sure, Matt. I, I think, uh, like Ian was talking about the penis and vagina one, so okay. we can start with that okay. one. That's fine. But I, 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 I do want to mention up front that uh, these kinds of extreme positions have a tendency to accumulate hate mail and death threats. So I think I speak for all of us here when I say that uh, this is not an acceptable way to deal with arguments disagree with you disagree with, no matter how repellent you find them. Yes, but hate mail is still okay. <laughs> yeah, and if it's uh, if 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 there is going to be hate mail on this, his name is spelled with a Y. <laughs> Oh, hey, listen, well, I have made this clear in the past that all, 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 um, all of the things said on this podcast represent the dumbass media network. (laughs) So that's where you send your hate mail. I'm waiting for it. <laughs> you know, yeah, we haven't gotten it yet. That's when we know we'll have made it. Yeah, exactly. No, yeah, no, we're we're we nobody. Publish it. So when you send it, you give us the right to publish <laughs> that's it. That's right. Exactly. Maybe that's why we. Yeah. I really, all right. I, I'm all in favor of like more calm and collected discussions on it rather Absolutely. than yelling sure. at people. Yeah, yeah no, that sense. makes sense. Okay, so let's let's talk. Uh, so dumbest, talk, let's talk about this article about uh, what penis vagina sex. Yeah. Uh, uh, so uh, this woman wrote an article. Um, she is firmly of the mind that penis vagina sex is always rape. And um, uh, she starts off, uh, uh, I've got a few quotes from her here. She starts off her article by saying uh, one of the quotes here, quote, intercourse is the very means through which men oppress us from which we are not allowed to escape, end quote. And I suppose it's true that intercourse can be used to oppress women, but I don't agree that it's the primary or even necessary means of oppressing them. Yeah, I, I, I know that it's partly a cultural thing too, right? Because if we, if, if women were allowed, uh, I don't know how to say this. Basically, if, if, if it wasn't so, um, stigmatized for them to have a sex drive, then, the, then that would be the case, would it? Right. And the, and the main argument uh, she uses, uh, she gets into her argument at the beginning. She says, um, uh, she, she's got this uh, whole uh, explanation here that um, a de- online definition of violence, uh, behavior involving physical info- physical force intended to hurt, damage, or kill someone or something. And she said that fits. She said because pregnancy may hurt, damage, or kill. 
Uh, uh, therefore, her, her argument is since pregnancy may harm and intercourse is intended to cause pregnancy, therefore intercourse is intended to cause harm, which in logical terms is a non sequitur. Intending to do something that may cause harm is not the same thing as intending to cause harm. Yeah. So the funny thing about this is I'm reading through this article right now, and uh, I'm pretty sure she's not a lesbian. <laughs> it doesn't sound uh, like it, no. I have to point that out because a lot of times when people uh, – are frustrated by the concept of penis to vagina intercourse. They tend to be really branded as a lesbian, like, "Oh, you're just a lesbian and a woman, uh, a man hater because you don't like the penis." Yeah, uh, I think it's wrong to assume that, really. And so, as I'm reading through this, I, she's not wrong in a lot of cases, just by virtue of her actual straight up, just plain old facts. For example. Sperm is actually really bad for the health of the vagina. It changes the pH. It's really bad. And so repeated sexual contact with lots and lots of ejaculation is really bad for the girl parts. Uh, That's why condoms are good, other than obviously preventing unwanted pregnancies. But... The rest of this, there, there's actually a health condition that does occur. It's not super common, but it's probably more common than it is diagnosed, wherein it is impossible for a woman to have a pleasurable experience. And unfortunately, usually when it occurs, she also winds up being with men who aren't very thoughtful about that. And so that's one of the things that we studied in our human sexuality class back when I was in college a million years ago. So she may well actually have something like that going on and not even realize that that's the thing driving her is that she has a condition that prevents her from being able to have pleasurable intercourse just by virtue of the fact that uh, the muscles in her vagina never release enough to let her have a comfortable experience. So, but how about... I, I can also see where she's coming from because frankly, the very act of being penetrated requires a level of vulnerability that... Maybe she's never hit a point of being able to trust someone enough to be okay with that vulnerability. But this all stems from her premise that intercourse, penis and vagina, is always rape, plain and simple. Actually, I would argue the other way around, that the painful experience caused the intercourse is always rape. But, but that's her premise. When you uh, just, just to recall the basic fact, intercourse, mm-hmm. penis and vagina, is always rape, plain and simple. That's her premise. Right? For her, it's, for her right. in well, particular. She is absolutely hey, well, an extremist in this case. She does have some pretty good scientific facts backing her. She's just skewing them as a correlation causation problem. Well, but yeah. I guess th- I find I find this part interesting. Uh, later on in the article, uh, she says, uh, "Quote: the, the vagina's primary function isn't to be penetrated by a penis, but to eject a baby for birth. There are two muscle tissues slash slash sphincters pressed against each other to help the baby be pushed out. Penetration of the penis into the vagina is completely unnece- unnecessary for conception." End quote. And I'm thinking, you know what? I'm a lesbian with a daughter. That's true. Yes, and I'm, but I'm thinking, so wait a minute, just a second ago you were saying that the problem was that intercourse causes pregnancy. Now yeah. you're saying that pregnancy is gi- and giving birth is fine and that it's specifically the act of intercourse that's the problem? To say right. that it wasn't designed to, to, to be penetrated like that, I mean, that that's uh, ridiculous. Apparently we are different from every other mammal out there. Yeah, exactly. Well, a lot of mammals have to force the female into a particular position in order to even enable uh, penetration. And then there's the creepy ducks. I was just going to bring up the ducks. <laughs> yeah. Who <laughs> have to have evolved corkscrew penises because they're so violent that the female ducks have evolved corkscrew vaginas. Yeah. 
Please Google that if you haven't seen it. No, yeah, yeah. I'm, bad I'm, bed bugs. I'm good. I don't think I need to see that. And, and those penises are, are oftentimes longer than the duck. Uh, yes, I think the largest recorded was nine feet long. Nine feet? I, I Okay, that's bigger than I had, uh, had, had any notion of. Yeah, it was. It, let's just say there, there are plenty of pictures on the internet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's just what he was told by the other ducks. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay, I, I need to leave. I'm going to go throw rocks at some ducks. <laughs> oh, jeez. No, but he, I, I, I think that, I mean, it's, I guess... Is she saying that for her it's always rape, or for everybody it's always rape? But what, what is what her? That, that's what I don't understand about this. I get the impression. I'm reading this as an all men are raping all women, and that's, she does have yeah. some not horrible points in here. Like for example, the fact that "fuck you" is an insult is a like. I mean, if we were treating sex as an appropriate consensual thing between adults, then that wouldn't be an insult. It wouldn't be like effectively a played off rape threat every single time somebody says it, you know? And well, her point... Fuck, is, the word fuck, though, is not... The word fuck is actually intended to be a a bad term for it anyway. So it's not surprising that it's an insult. That's true. Well, out, if we go back to the original historical, you know. So, straight out near the beginning, though. She does straight well, out sex. But here's well, the thing, is that... Is never sex for women. Yeah, that's, that's the other... So, yeah. She doesn't hide it. She doesn't hide that she's saying this is for all women. That's... I'm not denying that she's clearly got some pretty radical views here. And this is unfortunately zealots in every field, right? Like, and she even calls herself a radical feminist. Like, she's definitely going for a sensationalist here. But I'm sure that in her case, the sex is painful and a violation of the female body was actually the concept for her first before sex is always rape. Well, but she here's, probably didn't yeah. grow up as a teenager thinking sex was always rape. Well, but here's just a, in, uh, generally at the beginning before pain may be cut off by the genital arousal causing all sorts of tearing, bruising, swelling, discomfort, STDs, vaginal infection, urinary tract infection, genital warts, HIV, and death. It sounds like she just has never had a good sexual experience, and you know that that, that line alone, you know, she's saying it, it always hurts beforehand. Like, okay, okay then you've not. Uh, 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 Ian, uh, hold uh, on, uh, hold on. This is the point I was trying to make before. You're saying that she's never had a good sexual experience, which means you're saying that the only sex that there can be is between penis and vagina for you. Is no, I'm, I'm not saying that. Say? But I'm saying her. her I, 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 so she, let's it, say let's say that she's only, she's never had a good penis vagina sexual experience and probably never will have a good penis vagina sexual experience. But that doesn't mean that she's never had a good sexual experience. True. Okay. Well, but here's the thing: is that let, here, let, here's let, the let's problem. Not, let, let, uh, let's not uh, completely assume yeah. that uh, this is the case here. It's uh, it's a possible uh, reason for what she's saying, but she hasn't mentioned her own sexual experience in, experiences in this article, so we shouldn't assume uh, what they were. Well, I would rather not even try to guess what it is. I just don't think we should assume that she's a frigid bitch. Well, I, I don't know, but, but I just I just have an issue. That I have an issue with 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 that whole, the whole sentence. It doesn't have to cause an urinary, urinary tract infection, genital warts, and HIV. It doesn't doesn't don't have to be spread. That that's not the not the point here. And the tearing, the bruising, the swelling it, that doesn't have to happen. Listen, with proper communication and people talking to each other, you know, I mean, we th this dynamic can be changed, right? And in hopefully. Hopefully, with people that are couples, this is getting changed. This isn't necessarily even the norm. Yeah. No, it certainly isn't 
Well, it, other than, unfortunately, the first experience, often it is the norm, but just by virtue of the fact that they're expecting it to be the norm. Well, but here's but, the, but that becomes down to an educational problem, and that comes back to this, you know, this abstinence-only sex education that we're giving people, and the fact that we don't want to tell our kids about, about, you know, the penis and the vagina, and how, and how these things work, and, and, and we don't want to, and so since people are embarrassed to have these discussions with their kids, that's, that's the root of this problem. Well, absolutely. I mean, if you're not going to talk to your kid about sexuality because you're, frankly, I think that a lot of people are embarrassed to talk to their kids about sexuality, not because they're afraid of promiscuity in their kids necessarily, but because they're not really entirely sure how much they know themselves. Well, but I mean, that's a good point, but also they might be embarrassed themselves. How many kids don't realize that their parents have sex? Now, I realize, Ian, that, that you know that your mom and dad are having sex because we've gotten the emails. <laughs> yeah, right at this moment, I've got a camera on them. <laughs> no, but I mean, how many? I mean, that it's almost it's almost a taboo for you know for kids to realize that their parents are having sex. Well, the interesting thing about that is that the next generation of kids, the kids that are being born to my generation, so the kids that are no more than ten at this point, most of their parents are already working on, like, talking to their kids and stuff. So the next generation may not experience the same issue, but my generation definitely still being told, like, I mean, I grew up, I was lucky if anything under from waist to knee even got referenced, but I know a lot of people who, um, generally speaking, especially on the girls' side, that all of our parts were called things like your naughty bits or your or your lady parts or your dirty stuff, whatever. You, you know, want something in, in that Vic, basically you makes know it that impossible in Vic, to know yourself. In Victoria time, in Victorian times, it was often seen as impolite to rep to, rep, to use the word trousers. Yeah, but I guess southern necessity. Right, but yeah, my wife you... wasn't allowed to take sex education in school. See, I knew more about her body when I met her than she knew. So. But we've looked at the state of sex education, and with absence yeah. only creeping in, it in many places it has gotten worse, not better. And so when you say that most people are talking to their kids about this stuff, I don't know that that's true. I still question that. I would love to see some statistics on that, but those are hard to get. And they're certainly not being taught in the schools. I mean, so few schools have adequate sex education programs. Adequate is difficult because there's a lot of funding for abstinence. Well, exactly. Education. Right, because of the Bush administration. has been proven over and over again not to work. It's a com well, I mean, it's, it's a small little problem and that it's completely divorced from reality. Well, you know, because kids don't have sex until they're at least 21, right? Yeah. <laughs> well, anecdotally, if this gives anyone any hope, in my small group of parent friends, we're all recommending books to each other. Our kids are all, you know, uh, between like like 9 to 12 years old and, mm -hmm. and younger. And uh, we're already talking to our kids. We've already used all the anatomically correct names for all of the parts of the girls well, and I, all of the parts of the boys. So they I, know. Yeah. And. Uh, and they know about each other's parts and they, you know, and so in small little clusters, I think people are more open about this. I have tried to point my daughter towards the, um, the Lacey Green stuff and I've showed her some of the videos. In fact, we watched the one on consent and then I happened to, I clicked on the one about the vulva and, and, you know, she covered her eyes for the most of the time, but at least she was hearing the information. At least, at least I'm making it available, right? And I'm trying not to make it a, a taboo for her. You know, uh, I'm remembering a story. I'm remembering a story that my uh, mother told me, and I guess um, my grandmother must have been very progressive for her time uh, in uh, talking to uh, her daughters about sex. Um, she told me that uh, she, uh, that uh, her mother actually uh, uh, took her brother aside and uh, actually uh, undressed uh, undressed him in front of her to show her what uh, male anatomy looks like. 
Oh, wow. Which, okay. That is... That was that, pretty that is, Yeah. <laughs> but I, I was even talking to my 14-year-old telling him he should watch the consent video. Oh, I yeah. know he's been uncomfortable about such stuff around me. I'm like, this is a video you should probably watch because you're starting to get into that age. Mm-hmm. And it's definitely something you need to think about and understand. She's also got wonderful videos on the G-Spot and the... um and uh and a couple i mean and of course you know we've her hymen video is excellent her prostate video is excellent yeah so her prostate video is 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 good too um and of course the g-spot and the prostate one go together i didn't realize that (laughs) i had no idea but i've been educated by lacy green yeah so i i think that certainly i mean i I would like to i i think it you know we need to once again it, this comes back to everybody standing up and saying, hey, it's okay for women to have sex drives. It's okay for them to want to have sex in, in, in any way that they, they, they want to have that sex. I found the whole premise of this article really uh, depressing if you, if you actually believe this because it means that there is so much rape going on. <laughs> exactly. Well, it is. Well, and of course, now I'm well, a rapist, also, you know, according to this. Yeah, according of, to this. Yeah, pretty much all of the sex is rape. rape. Yeah. All right. Hey, no, guys. We yeah. I'm going to drop. All right. Okay. Uh, I took my boys to the People's Fair over this, um, this last Saturday. And um, we were walking through the um, various booths. And apparently one of them, um, Planned Parenthood, was actually handing out condoms. And the boys were, oh, we can't go past that. They're handing out condoms. Like, what's the big deal? The, I, the, there's no reason why you shouldn't be uncomfortable with the ideas of the existence of condoms. And, they, you know, they were... Well, that's what's even in those cases, you know, you, you take them over there and you show them that, it, that it's okay. I mean, in those cases, I think actions speak louder than words. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, so I, I do want to, I, I do want to. You should have told them that uh, you should have picked them up and been like, this is the reason there are only two of you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Okay, so I, I want to talk about this other article about um, a, a female self-esteem. The ca- there is a case against female self-esteem. Okay, to be fair, this guy, Matt, also argues that short hair is literally rape against men. I, 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 I did not see that one. <laughs> I haven't <laughs> seen that one. Because he, he's got another one that, frankly, is an even better example in here, where he argues that when women cut their hair short, they're raping men because they're denying men the chance to have sex with a long-haired girl. Shit, is I'm there? A rapist. Okay, before we oh go, I mean, God. I don't know who this guy. I don't really know this guy, but is there a chance that that this is satire? I was. There, there's always a chance you know of what? these kind of things, but I, I, don't I like think to. He is. Yeah. If he is. Uh, satirical, he is better at it than anyone I've ever seen because every single one of his articles is so ridiculously painfully hateful against women. You know, because that's I, like, I, I mean, look at all his ads. Well, it's that's what, that's what makes, yeah, I know. That's what I, makes I like, me. I like to generally take people, uh, on the, on their words. I mean, okay. I know there are people out there and that, who that's are fine. you and everything like that. So, that, that's fine. Uh, so we'll, I, we'll, we'll take this guy as the misogynist that he is. Okay. Well, so, uh, the guy's basic argument in this article is that women should be vulnerable and insecure in that it's their natural state and that it's unattractive for a woman to be otherwise. And uh, to be certainly over fair to this man, I do kind of get the attraction of vulnerable women. I mean, I fell in love with my wife at a time when she was vulnerable and I felt like I wanted to protect her. And my wife relied on me for a lot of things and that made me feel needed and that was nice. So, uh, yeah, when a woman is vulnerable, that can really Im- impact a guy. But I think it's going much too far to say that if a woman isn't showing vulnerability, that there's something wrong with her. Yeah, you know what, though? That's a two-way street because uh, there are things that my wife relies on me for. And I, there are certain things that I rely on her for, too. 
right? So, I mean, so that that's there's sort of a mutual thing going on there. This guy in your is relationship. Okay, in mine, maybe not. Yeah, maybe not yours. Well, maybe not this guy's. Well, this guy's. I think this. I mean, if if we take him at his word here, he he wants he he'd rather have her helpless, barefoot, and pregnant. Yes. You know, it's funny because you look at the about about this guy, and you're just like, I hope this is satire because <laughs> if he thinks that he is some hot freaking shit, he's got another thing coming. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Oh. Well, but I, I, you know, back to your point. This is the kind of stuff we need to be standing up against, making sure that we that would that we're that we're that we're saying it loudly that this is not okay. Yeah. Well, exactly. And, and the problem is that these kind of, he's expressing the kinds of thoughts that a lot of people say casually, offhandedly in conversation, or tell misogynistic jokes or whatever. And the problem is people are uncomfortable calling somebody on that bullshit. Sure. Yeah. And and of course, there's nothing wrong with a woman being vulnerable. It's just the expect expectation that a woman should be vulnerable that is kind of way out there. Right. But he... the, expect, the expectation that being vulnerable means that she's also available. You know, it goes back to the idea that those those dudes who say, "Hey, I'm being a nice guy. I'm here and I'm supportive. So why won't you have sex with me?" Like the very act of being available when somebody is feeling vulnerable instantly gives you a free sex. Card. Yeah, but here, here he says right from the beginning. I'm just gonna come out with it and say it. I love insecure women because he loves power. He was. It's the whole. It's all about power and control. I guess you know my problem is that that's just way too much work for me. I have somebody if somebody is as insecure as he wants them. Holy mackerel! You're gonna spend your day just you know. I mean, uh, trying to fulfill their insecurities. Well, there is a. <laughs> A very good large breed of both both women and men, but it's certainly more present on the men's side, who pretty much focus on building up and breaking down vulnerable people because it's a lot easier to control them when you can feed them a little bit of self-esteem and then break them down and make them dependent on you for their only attention. Okay, but it's- if... If I'm spending all... building block yeah. of domestic abuse. Okay, but if I'm spending all my time doing that, when am I going to have time to masturbate? <laughs> Well, if you're going on based on this guy's idea, then obviously she's going to be so beholden to you just because you paid attention to her and didn't kick mud in her face that she's going to offer up sex whenever you want it. Okay, so I'm not going to have to worry about it. Okay, all right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I. I, His first first point is that most women have done nothing to deserve self esteem. And, okay, I think it's fair enough to say that self esteem should come from putting an effort in and developing skills that you're confident in. You shouldn't have confidence in your ability to do something that you've never done before. So uh, I agree with the idea that everybody. Like, the idea that everybody should have self esteem, regardless of ability, is kind of silly. But the thing is, most men haven't accomplished much at all either. Well, I. I'm going to insert my psych degree in here and argue with you about this. The concept of self-esteem should not be based off of personal accomplishment. Oh, Because self-esteem is your personal feelings about your self-worth, your value as a human being. It shouldn't be based off of feelings of accomplishment or whether or not you have a high-paying job. It should be based off of whether or not you have an appreciation for your own existence. Unfortunately, in our society and a lot of Western cultures... What your self-esteem is based off of, generally speaking, often has a lot to do with your pocketbook. 
So, well, especially I, I, with guys, traditionally, the more money you're making at your job or the more success you feel you have with your job, the more self-worth you feel you have, which means that your self-esteem is not based on you personally, it's based on the things you've accomplished out in the world, which usually is a mixture of luck and recognition rather than actually something you personally have done. Well, but wait a second. I, 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 I think maybe we have like a, a, a war of definitions here. I okay. Guess for, perhaps like there, there are different ways to define things, perhaps self-esteem, self-confidence. Uh, uh, you can uh, say you can put different uh, definitions to all those terms as well as like pride or whatever. And it's, I guess it's, it can be kind of fuzzy, but if we're, if we're going by your definition of, of self-esteem, yeah, uh, sure, I, I agree with that. You're, you should have some basic idea of your worth as a person. I'm not sure that, um, this guy in this article is talking about it uh, in exactly that way. Well, but wait, so oh, well, no, he's, he's yeah. talking about confidence as an external thing. Like, rather than being something that you have naturally, he's talking about it as being something that other people give to you. Like, respect. Now, being respected outside of... Respect is something that you should accord to people automatically because if you disrespect people on a default level, then you're just going to treat them like you treat women. Uh, but... <laughs> but... His idea of respect and of self-esteem is the idea that other people give you self-esteem, yeah. whereas the whole concept of self-esteem is that it's something that comes from you. See, but I was going to say he's the reason he's framing that argument that way is that he wants to be the giver. He wants to have that power to validate women. Okay, so he wants to be. But here's the thing: is that like if if I solve a problem at work, if I'm working on something and I get something to work, hey man, that makes me feel good. I accomplished something. Yeah, right? but that accomplishment doesn't give you a permanent boost of self-esteem, typically speaking. Oh, no, because somebody else is just going to tell me that I did something wrong later. Exactly. <laughs> that's that's fluctuation of emotion, and okay. that accomplishment isn't... Self-esteem does not should not actively rely on whether or not you're managing to do something great. Because otherwise, if something bad happens in your life, you have no self-esteem all of a sudden. You might lose confidence for a time, but your self-esteem is something that's that's in your core. And the fact that a lot of women don't have self-esteem is because they're raised that they shouldn't. Okay. Because they're raised believing that self-esteem is an external force that other people give to you. Like, so like respect. It's something other people give rather than something that you can take for yourself. He makes reference to basically a woman shouldn't, you know, be so, be so um, um, proud of herself for getting her degree in puppetry um, in here somewhere. And then he goes on to say basically that he essentially implies that, it, you know, if you have a degree, you know, and, and, and all these women now have degrees, you know, and, and women, more women have degrees than men do at this point, that basically that devalues the um, the worth of the degree. And basically, and he's implying that, that, that we've made standards easier so that more women can get degrees. I mean, he is totally, um, I mean, he totally wants to to, to break down any sort of accomplishment that somebody might have from getting a degree. You Not know, somebody. Uh, women. Or women, so specifically women, basically saying, yeah, well, you only got that degree because we made it so much easier for you to do it. And now, and now it's so easy that all the women are getting one. It really doesn't mean much. <laughs> Tell that to the banks. <laughs> and, and, you, and you notice the self-defeating flaw in his <laughs> argument here. He, he talks about how, uh, a bunch of industries that he thinks are the most important and that how they're dominated by when, by men. Um, but there are a good number of women in those positions, so by his own arguments, he should admit that these women, at least, have earned a measure of self-esteem. Well, it, it doesn't matter because we pay them less, so it's still okay. <laughs> well, you know, he makes the argument that if all the women 
uh, stopped, like, got fired from their jobs right now, the only thing that would happen is a few elementary schools would stop running for a couple of days. <laughs> this is the argument that he makes. So obviously he's missed that the fact that the working population is 46% female, and, you know, the human population is 51% female. That's just in the U.S. Let's not even talk about places like China, where they have a lot more people and the female-to-male population is higher. So, that being said, uh, I think he's probably missing the fact that basically all modes of transportation, uh, half the government, not including the Senate, obviously, and a lot of other major corporations would just cease to work. How about the Red Cross? Uh, I Their think C- the Red Cross would be a little bit rough. Well, but exactly. Well, the CEO of the Red Cross is a woman. Obviously, and she's not the only high-powered CEO out there. She just happened to be the one that I could name, right? Yeah, that I could that I remember right, off the top of my head. Right. Well, I doubt second in command of Facebook is. It's true. Say, so, yeah, okay, but but the but I get the point. I mean, the point stands that there are some women in some very high-powered, important positions out there that that make things happen. Absolutely. Yeah. I'm sure. the, the token, Sorry, go ahead. You probably see the token positions, and like I said, Red Cross, he probably views completely unnecessary. medical care would go off. Yeah. There are at least as many female doctors as there are male at no, this point. There are more. I think that the, I think that, that 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 has flipped to the point where there are many more women in the healthcare services, doctors, and and other positions than there are men. Well, and also, of course, higher education teachers for the most part, depending on which university we're talking about. Uh, some universities still show a serious predisposition to hiring male teachers, but that's yeah. obviously a good old boy mentality in some of our older universities. It's just- I find that I find this uh, discussion of what exactly self-esteem means to be interesting because I don't think the majority of people uh, really understand uh, your definition uh, well, of it, and they don't uh, or or use it that way. Let me give you a really, I'll give you a really short, condensed version because, again, my degree is in health psychology, so that's where my background is, and I write from that perspective a lot. But ultimately, the concept of self-esteem can kind of be boiled down the same way that the concept of a strong character versus a weak character, both in real life and in fiction, can boil down. Um, there is a concept in psychology called a Loki of control. And basically the idea is that you either have an internal Loki of control or an external Loki of control. If you have an external Loki, you're kind of the go with the flow sort of person in that everything that happens in your life is based off of other actions being taken against you. So you don't have that much control over it. Um, you, if something goes wrong, it's bad luck. If something goes right, maybe you feel like you have good luck or whatever, but if something goes wrong, typically you don't feel that it's your fault or your responsibility. Somebody else is to blame. Uh, something else happened, and it's just out of your control. That's the external Loki. The internal Loki of control may have the exact same things happen to them, but the difference is that they recognize that even if they can't control the circumstances, they can control their reaction to those circumstances, which means they recognize that even if something bad is happening in their life, they're capable of turning the situation to their own benefit, even if it's just based on their attitude in that situation. And that's a really simplified social style kind of, it's only splits the world into two types of people, and some people might argue that one is an introvert and one is an extrovert, and that's not really accurate. But ultimately what it comes down to is those who have good self-esteem understand that who they are depends on who they think of themselves as. 
So when they look in the mirror, they say encouraging things to themselves, and they recognize that the only person who can dictate who they are is themselves. People who have bad self-esteem may have a big ego and may have the appearance of confidence, but it doesn't mean they actually have good self-esteem because what dictates that is how their surroundings are dealing with them right at that time. So somebody could appear to have good self-esteem because things are going right, but as soon as things start going wrong, that person tends to crumble, and they tend to react violently to that, whether it's verbally violently, physically violently, or just getting depressed and having the time of it. Hey guys, we're um, we're about a minute or an hour and an hour and twenty minutes here, so um, I, I I think I'd like to wrap this up at this point. I know that there's a lot more stuff here that we wanted to go into, but I think that we've covered a lot of ground tonight. Cool. Yeah, I okay. mean, is there anything else that needs to be said at this point? Uh, we could finish going over his arguments, or we okay, could... you well, let's finish his arguments then. Let, let's that. I think that um, okay. Oh, okay. Um, his second argument is that uh, insecurity is integral to femininity, which he the conclusion he came to because he realized that the women he was attracted to were the ones he, who were most vulnerable. And uh, like I said before, I kind of get that, but uh, don't jump from your personal experience to the conclusion that this must be the natural state of womanhood. But don't you know, don't you know, not all men. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Yes, all women. A lot of broad brushes. uh, Go ahead. ahead. It very much could be that that's the only kind of woman he can get, really, that (laughs) will stay with him, are the ones that don't have enough self-esteem to realize how big of a jerk he is. But don't you realize he said in the beginning that he'd still, you know, have sex with women who were more confident? If they would have him. I'm sorry, I'm still stuck on his KKK haircut and his rapist shave. (laughs) Oh, and he has a doodle of himself in his about instead of a photograph, because he wants you to think that he's more interesting than he is. (laughs) All right. And his uh, third argument is that women don't want self-esteem. He claims without any evidence that the average self-secure independent woman is depressed and on pills. Does that even deserve an answer? I mean, really? Come on. Obviously, self-secure and depressed can't really live in the same sentence together. But since he's obviously a licensed psychiatrist, he knows that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it, it, no, no evidence to support that. Really, that that's all you re- really need to say. There's no evidence that the majority of women who um, are, are have good self esteem are depressed or anything like that. Or even if there is, are women who are no, like no, that? That, Karanda, that are you depressed? On. Nope, not last time I checked. Yeah. Oh, well, I can, I can tell you what, what 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 could be said to that, or and and you know, well, that's because you're a lesbian. <laughs> That's because you're a lesbian. Being a lesbian does not mean you'll never be depressed. So ladies, don't sign up this quickly. Uh, what's Terry's excuse? For not being depressed. That's right. <laughs> that I'm self-secure and I've learned not to seek validation from dudes like this. Uh, all right. Well, well, I want to throw one more thing out yeah, there please. before we wrap because this is uh, pretty interesting. It just came across my desk literally just a few minutes ago that um, The Fault in Our Stars, which has a strong female lead, has been sweeping box offices. And it's really powerful because it doesn't have a major action scene. It's not like an over-the-top romance necessarily. And it's sweeping box offices with an overwhelming female audience who are not dragging their boyfriends to see it. Which means... Between that and Maleficent, that's rated number two in the box office right now, and Frozen sweeping the box office 
like crazy being directed by a woman in the highest grossing movie ever directed by a woman. One of the highest grossing movies in history, by the way. It's like number five on the list now. Well, we talked about Frozen's pro-gay message already. Oh, yeah? yeah. I, I missed that. <laughs> I can send you the links. We don't need to do it again. <laughs> no, we've had that discussion in our household, actually. It's pretty awesome. But ultimately, my point was that stereotypically, even though it's not possible to have a demographic that says women equals a demographic and men equals a demographic, Hollywood has been treating demographics that way for eons. And suddenly we have several movies in a row that have been outstanding in their performance that are proving to the masses, basically, that women buy movie tickets. And not only that women buy movie tickets, but that they enjoy different kinds of movies. Because Maleficent, frankly, is a fairly action-packed movie, considering it comes from Disney. Actually, had a lot of violence in it. I was surprised. It had a lot of violence in it. Don't you think that there men some- are just taking women to these movies to try to get laid? Um, according, to the, according to the statistics, I'm going to ignore your joke. According to the statistics, okay. it's mostly women buying tickets. And that's not a bad thing because it means that people are realizing that something that's been true for quite a while is that women spend money. Oh, shocker. Yeah. Not only that, but that women have money and that they're not required to go see the movie that their boyfriend wants to see or whatever. And so these three movies are all very different. And granted, two of them are coming from Disney, but I'm hoping that they will... Sh- they will start a trend of understanding that women watch movies and they want more than your stereotypical horrible rom-com. You know what? In general, in, in general, Disney has been moving towards stronger female characters. And even in their kids' shows, they have stronger female characters. So I, I think... There's actually a good argument that Disney's early female characters were actually pretty strong, all things considered. Sure. They were created in a very pink and lacy kind of way, but it's actually the more recent marketing decisions that have made them into more frilly and girly characters. Because uh, the first seven princesses or whatever relied basically not at all on men. And generally speaking, their rule of thumb was not, I want to have a prince or I want love. It was, this is my goal and I'm going to accomplish it. And the prince was a bonus prize. And so that's something that's very different from some of the more modern stuff. Disney has actually strayed from that recently. Frozen's a little bit interesting, but their live-action stuff has been a lot more affirming for women, especially things like Once Upon a Time and Maleficent now. Mirror Mirror was pretty good, too, but it wasn't as well-received. Well, Snow White did need a prince to come in and kiss her while she was asleep, didn't she? Right, let's not even talk about how she somehow has magical true love, even though they've never met. <laughs> At least with I wish I could remember that. she met and got to fall in love with him beforehand. Cinderella was a, a stronger female character. She absolutely went out and got her own thing. I mean, she got horribly bullied throughout most of the movie, uh, but Cinderella was a, a pretty strong female character. Jasmine was... A pretty strong female character. I mean, she decided, I'm sick of being trapped in the palace and I'm going to leave. Plus, she had a pet tiger, for heaven's sake. (laughs) Right. I wish I could remember the name of the show, but within the last few years, there was a show that was actually doing really well, but it got canceled because it was determined that their main audience was girls, and that wasn't the audience they were going for. They were the boys instead. It was was like It's a successful show. Yeah, it was a great superhero show, and they were upset that girls were watching the show, so they canceled it, because their argument was that girls don't buy action figures. I have an entire room full of really awesome toys that would disagree with that. (laughs) And 
my daughter loves them, All right. especially my Legos, actually. Well, let's. I think that I think that this is a good place to wrap it up now. I think that I think yeah. we've covered it pretty well, and and strayed significantly. Karanda, <laughs> it was so fun to have you on. Thank you. Yeah, so thank much. you. Thank you for joining us. Yeah, it was thanks great. for having me, guys. All right, say good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Well, if you've made it this far, that's an hour of your time. You're never getting back. But the amateur skeptics appreciate you giving that hour to us. If you'd like to tell us how you felt about spending that hour with us, let us know at WTF at AmateurSkeptics.com. You could always roast us in a voicemail at 720-295-7785. The Amateur Skeptics Podcast is distributed under a Creative Commons Sharealike No Derivatives 3.5 license. So, hand it to an unsuspecting friend, but please, just don't change the content. Intro music by Peter Canold. Find more of Peter's music at soundcloud.com forward slash P-K-A-N-O-L. Exit music by OFM. Find more of their music at myspace.com forward slash OFMHQ. Artwork for the Amateur Skeptics by Sean Smith Ford. Copyright Shadow Knight Digital Portraitry.